Here we go. Yes, after almost a two-week silence of Law and Gospel, we're back on Law and Gospel on this January the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Uh, normally on a Friday, we have open mic, but since we've been gone for so long, I thought I wanted to start the new year off with a really fine summary of what we mean by the distinction between law and gospel. And it's a distinction that we're going to hear more about during the season of Epiphany. In fact, one of the readings for Epiphany was Ephesians chapter 3. And it says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, what is that mystery? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, the mystery is that the Gentiles also are fellow heirs members of the same body, part of the Holy Christian Church, as they are partakers of the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. Now, how did this come about? That not only Gentiles, but even Jews are part of the Holy Christian Church. Well, it came about, the best book to read is the book of Hebrews. But before we get to the book of Hebrews, we want to take a look at what is referred to as the Old Covenant. The, the word for covenant can also be translated as testament. And so a lot of times when I'm out speaking to groups of individuals in churches, I will ask questions, and my goal is to confuse them because they often need to be brought up to date as to what the Bible is really saying. That's why I read other scholars, because I read about things that I was not aware of, and it's very helpful. Well, the question I ask is, what do we mean by the Old Testament and the New Testament? And I tell you, the vast majority of people think I'm talking about the books of the Bible. The Old Testament, the 39 books, the New Testament, the 27 books. But the word testament is also covenant. In fact, I can't find a place in the scripture where the 39 books are referred to as the Old Testament or the 27 as the New Testament. Instead, those words are Old Covenant and New Covenant. There's a New Covenant, and it is the distinction between law and gospel. Now, originally, the Old Covenant was not as we understood it as a law to accuse us of our sin. It became that simply because we misused why God gave us the Ten Commandments. Just take a look at Exodus chapter 20. 
where God speaks all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Now, he's talking to Israel and he's telling them that already he is the Lord their God. And then he gives you the evidence why he is the Lord your God, because I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then the next verse, which begins the Ten Commandments, I I like putting the word therefore in there. Therefore, when you have this understanding that I am already the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. I mean, why would you want to worship another God when I am the Lord your God? You shall also not take my name in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall not kill and the other commandments. These are results of your believing that God is already your God. Guess what? It didn't last very long, did it? No. Uh, Before long, well, the people were worshiping a golden idol that they had made, a calf, and were doing other things. In other words, they became so, and one could say disobedient, But behind that disobedience was a lack of faith in what that first covenant had promised, that I am the Lord your God. They don't have to do anything to make God the Lord. In chapter 24, this covenant, this old covenant, is confirmed. What do we mean by that? Well. Many animals were sacrificed, and Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And here's what the people said. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. That's in verse 7 of chapter 24. And therefore Moses takes the other blood and throws it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So the first covenant was based on a promise of the people. This is very important to understand that they will be obedient to everything that God has indicated to them. But they, of course, were not. In fact, they became so disobedient that many of them were taken into exile, both the 10 tribes and also the two tribes uh, into Babylonian captivity, the two tribes, for years because God was fed up with their not 
keeping the covenant. This is so important to understand. Every religion in the world misunderstands what the commandments are. They think they are a means of our becoming saved, that they are the ways in which God becomes our God. Take a look at every other religion in the world, and you will see the things that you are to do in order to be saved. But the book of Hebrews talks about a new covenant, a new testament. And of course, it's all about the supremacy of the Son of God. In fact, the book of Hebrews begins long ago. At many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And his son he appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And we know that from the third verse in Genesis, where God said, let there be light. That was Jesus saying those words, the second person of the Trinity, prior to his being incarnated that we celebrated at Christmas. But this Son of God is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making, now this is very important in verse 3 of Hebrews, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, how did he make purification for sins? Well, he died. He died on the cross. And so what we have here is a wonderful teaching of a new way of salvation. That's why it's called the New Covenant. Chapter 2 begins, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. What's he talking about? Well, those messages, say, of Gabriel to, first of all, the father of John the Baptist, and then the mother of Jesus, Mary, they became reliable as Simeon and Anna foretold and preached in the temple about it. So every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Now, how did that occur? He's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 of chapter 2 of Hebrews for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, that's Jesus, in bringing many sons to glory, 
should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So the father willed that the son would suffer. And that is the way he became the founder of our salvation. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. And that source is Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. That is, Jesus became a human being. Why? It's explained in verse 14 that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And why would he do that? Verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. See, that comes out of the Old Testament books, that in the day that you sin, you shall surely die, which meant that you would die being in the kingdom of Satan. That's what Jesus saved you from. Going on to chapter 3, I mean, there's so much in Hebrews. Verse 16, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? That's who was God the Father provoked for 40 years in the wilderness? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, which meant the land of Canaan, but to those who were disobedient? So there, disobedience against God's commandments was a breaking of the first covenant that the people had promised to obey God. So how does verse 19 kind of summarize that first commandment? So we see they were unable to enter that rest, that Canaan, because of unbelief. See, that's what's behind disobedience. The Ten Commandments were not a way in which you got saved. They were a way in which you then followed these good works because you were saved. But the people rebelled against that. In uh, chapter 4, verse 10, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Now, it was talking about that was the Sabbath day that God rested from his work. But 
those who enter God's rest, which will be the kingdom of God on earth, the holy Christian church, and heaven, means they have rested from their works of trying to win their way into heaven because that's what the new covenant is all about. So, going on to verse 18 of chapter 7. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Now, now listen to verse 19, those who think that you can be saved by your works. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And verse 22 says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. So, that old covenant failed because of our, really, unbelief. And the law can never make anybody perfect because the Bible says very clearly to be perfect by obedience to the law, you need to be absolutely perfect in everything the law says. So what does God do? In Christ, chapter 8, verse 6, he has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better. And why is the covenant that Jesus mediates better? Because it is enacted on better promises. What promises? Our promises? No. The second covenant is enacted on the promises of God, who promises to save his people by the forgiveness of sins, to be with them at all times, to never forsake them or to leave them. Now, those were not promises of that first covenant unless the people were like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before the fall, being perfectly obedient. That was the first covenant. Listen to verse 7 of chapter 8. For if that first covenant had been faultless, in other words, if it had worked, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So originally, the Ten Commandments were given as the result of believing that God is your God. But people didn't believe that. And so they began to sin, made up their own commandments, and we see that really happening in the world today. They make up their own commandments about marriage, etc. So God says, Behold, the days are coming. This is verse 8 of chapter 8. When I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. 
for they did not continue in my covenant. And why? Because where the commandments were given to show how much faith they had in God, they disobeyed the commandments, showing their unbelief. So now God explains in chapter 8 with verse 10, For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my laws into their minds, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, I've been in a lot of churches uh, preaching, and I have yet to find one Christian when I say, well, the Bible says you shall have no other gods before him. Nobody ever says, oh, we don't agree with that anymore, Pastor. Now, members of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, they disagree with that, believing that the gods of the Muslims and the other false religions, that they're going to be saved also. Well, we don't believe that because the commandments are pretty clear. Not only that, God says, they shall teach each one his neighbor. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Then here comes verse 12 of chapter 8. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's the difference of the gospel. The gospel are the promises of God that undergird the new covenant. We don't have promises to God. Even when we're baptized or when we're confirmed, we promise to obey God as he gives us that power. But many times, we still disobey God. But we have no fear because we're no longer living under the old covenant where you are saved by your works. In other words, listen to chapter 12, verse 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So what's vanishing away? The idea that by your works, you're going to make God your God. As Moses told the people, God is your God because he took you out of the land of Egypt. Now. God is our God because he died for us on the cross. And it was that death on the cross that was far superior than the sacrifices of goats and other animals. That's what scripture says. Verse 15 of chapter 9. Therefore, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised 
eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. That's all of our sins. We confess in church by thought, word, and deed that were forgiven. So the law has become a shadow, chapter 10, of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. And the law can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Now listen to verse 4 of chapter 10. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, Jesus not only died for your sins, but he obeyed God perfectly. Verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written. So, in chapter 10, he does away with the first covenant in order to establish the second. And by that, will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there's so much in the book of Hebrews to show the distinction between the old covenant, the new covenant, which is the distinction between a misuse of the law and the holy gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about this on the next broadcast Monday. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.